I'm not ashamed of salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. Let us pray. Father, we just ask a blessing upon the reading of your word. May the power of the gospel indeed be felt here this morning. Father, it's about you. Everything's about you. We give ourselves to you this morning. We open our hearts and our minds to what you would have to say. Would your spirit illuminate this text for us? Not just so we can understand it, but so that we also know how to apply it to our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Nothing else matters. You are in the right place this morning. Because you are going to hear the answer to the most important question you will ever have to answer. It's not how to fix your spouse. It's not how to fix your kids. It's not how to help you find a spouse. It's not how to have a happy life. It's not how to get along with others. It's not how to find fulfillment in life. The most important question that you must answer, and indeed you are answering, is this. How can a sinful man or woman stand before a holy and just God? That is the question that each and every person, if they realize it or not, is answering. How can a sinful or how can a sinful man or woman stand before a holy and just God? Nothing else matters but answering this question correctly. And how you answer this question will indeed determine how you spend all of eternity. Answer this question incorrectly, and you will spend all eternity in hell. Answer this question correctly, and you will spend all eternity in heaven. That is the weight that is before us this morning and the question that we are answering if we choose to or not. The answer to the question is because the power of the gospel. The how is by believing by faith. This is where we're going to go this morning. So if you want to know where we're headed, this is it. A sinful person can stand before a holy and just God by the power of the gospel, which is available to all who believe by faith. If you write down that paragraph, you can tune me out. That's my sermon. That's it right there. But since i got some time left on the clock, I do want you to notice... The opening phrase, the open prepositional phrase here to verse 16. Paul starts out with, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. In fact, three times Paul uses the word, guard, the word for it here in the text. And what it does is it reaches back 
to what was, came before it, and it's pulling it forward and including into what now Paul is saying. And what Paul is saying in verse 15, because that's what the, far, the four is pulling forward. And in verse, six, in verse 15, Paul has said that he is utterly and unequivocally eager to preach the gospel of God to those who are in Rome. Paul will not be intimidated. Paul was run out of town. Paul was smuggled out of town. Paul was laughed out of town. And he was seen as a fool in Corinth. He was stoned in Galatia. And Paul will not be intimidated by the philosophers in Rome. Paul says, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. And as we've seen last week, this word eager comes from its root word meaning anger. This is the passion that Paul has in preaching the gospel. He's so passionate upon for, for preaching the gospel. He's got such a passion. He's so eager for it that it can be misunderstood as Paul being angry about the gospel. And yet that's anything but the truth. Paul will indeed find himself in Rome, the place that he desired so much to go. But he's not going to go in his terms. He's not going to go as he would desire. He's not going to show up in Rome at some big mega church and preach the gospel. He's not going to show up with a nice home on the sea, a nice home on the lake somewhere. Paul's not going to show up in Rome with a lot of money and influence in those terms. Paul is going to show up in Rome in chains. Paul is going to show up in Rome as a prisoner of the state. And in this way, Paul will be preaching the gospel. And here in verse 16, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of it. Even though I'm in chains, even though I will be in chains, even though I have nothing of worldly value, I have the gospel. And nothing else matters but the gospel. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm afraid that you know, maybe many of us, including pastors, maybe especially pastors, are ashamed of the gospel. In the final session uh, a couple weeks ago of our pastors' conference, I left the pastors with this at the last session of, the, of our conference there. I said, when you go back to your congregations, you open your Bibles you read the text, you explain the text, you apply the text, because outside the text, you have nothing to say. Outside the Word of God, a man standing within the pulpit has nothing to say but what the Word of God has to say. We, we, we don't need hipsters standing in the pulpit preaching <laughs> pragmatic sermons, talks. We don't need preachers standing in the pulpits telling us how we can have our best life now. We need preachers who stand in the pulpit, who opens the Word of God, who reads the Word of God, who explains the Word of God, and then applies the Word of God. And yet I get it. I read the Bible too. I know what the Bible says. And I know that the teachings of Jesus is antithetical to our culture. I know the teachings of Jesus do not align in any way with our culture. And I know as Christian people living within our culture, it can be easy to want to soft pedal the gospel. 
It can be easy to soft pedal our life. It can be easy to try to unhitch from this culture or from the gospel to hitch to this culture to fit in, to be liked. But I also know the words of Jesus in Mark chapter 8, verse 8, Mark chapter 8, verse 38, where Jesus says this, whoever is ashamed of me and my father or my words, I will be ashamed of them before my father. Do we hear those words? Jesus says, I will be ashamed of those who are ashamed of me. Those are serious words, and Paul says here, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I was a trendsetter before I even realized what a trendsetter was. I, um, back in, I don't know, first, second, or third grade, it must have been after first grade, because first grade I was so shy, I just sat in the classroom crying for my mama, for real, I'm not making fun of myself, true story. By the time I got to second grade, I realized I had some decisions to make, (laughs) and as I am, I'm from one extreme to the other, as you all know, so you can imagine which way I went. But the culture that I grew up in, I wasn't allowed to wear belts. Don't ask me why. The preachers couldn't tell me either. But I wasn't allowed to wear belts. I had to wear suspenders. And let me tell you something. Suspenders ain't cool. (laughs) Back in the, well, a long time ago. And so I wore my suspenders under my shirt. And so my shirt tail wasn't tucked in. So for all of you who like to run around with your shirt tail untucked, you can thank me. I started that trend. So I I did that because I was ashamed of the cult of the culture that I grew up in. I was ashamed of some of the requirements that were placed upon me. And so as a young lad trying trying to synchronize with the culture, I found ways to do that. And that's how I did it by wearing my suspenders. Interestingly enough, by the time suspenders were cool, I wanted to wear Ohio State red suspenders. Who doesn't like Ohio State? Uh, Nobody. Oh, there's one. Okay. But Ohio State red, I, I guess, was the color of Satan. I did not know that. So I wasn't allowed to wear those. That's also a true story. Well, I better have a point. And my point is this. I believe in our own unique way. I believe each and every one of us from time to time are guilty of wearing our suspenders under our shirt. You know what I'm saying? I mean, once in a while, we're ashamed of the gospel. And we're not alone. Timothy, Paul's protege, was also ashamed from time to time. In 2 Timothy 1.8, Paul tells Timothy, a very timid man. He says, Timothy, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. And then Paul puts a little comma. Well, I'm putting it there for Paul. It says, or of me, his prisoner. But join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. 
See, every single one of us from time to time want to wear our suspenders under our shirt. And I'm not saying that that's okay, but I'm saying just do better. Maybe give yourself a pass from time to time and acknowledge it and realize it and understand that you're in good company with many of the heroes of the faith, and it is something that we wrestle with. Because the message of Jesus, it is offensive. It isn't an easy one. And there are those who want to stand in the pulpit and they want to say, why wouldn't anyone want to be a follower of Jesus? Well, that's a man I don't think who's read the words of Jesus. Because the words of Jesus are indeed offensive. In fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, for the word of the cross, is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us or to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. The very next phrase in verse 16, and it starts with a four, bringing forward what came before it. So the gospel is what carries and has the power. Paul is writing to people living in the most powerful empire of that known time, the Roman Empire. All that Rome has accomplished and conquered They've done it through their power, through sheer force, through sheer might. And Paul is saying, that's not the power I, 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 I go to. That's not the power I align with. I align with the power of the gospel. The word power here, you, you've, you've probably heard many well-meaning sermons preached on the word power. It, it, it's, it's dunamis. It's, it's where we get our word for dynamite. I, I get it. We like to make that connection, but... But fact check, they didn't have dynamite back in that day. Yes, I understand the power is explosive. I, I get the connections that are being made. But I, I'd rather connect it in this way, which I think would be a, a, maybe a more um, connecting way. It's not the explosive power of dynamite that Paul is, that, 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 that is being spoken of here as this word power. But it's the results of it. Right? I mean, when dynamite goes off. It leaves a pretty explosive hole. It leaves devastating effects. And that's the connecting point that I would like to make this morning. Those of you, those of us who are under the influence of this power, it's evident. It's clear. There's no ambiguity there. The results are clearly seen of the results of the power of the gospel. Jeremiah chapter 13, verse 23. Ask the question. Can a man... Change its skin color? Can a leper change its spots? No. It's obvious, the obvious answer. Only the power of the gospel can change a sinful man or sinful woman. Only the power of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God comes our third four, for salvation. Salvation. We know what it means to deliver, to save, to set free. You know, I see these signs not as much anymore, but we'd see these big old billboards, often black, white letters, Jesus saves. And I was struck by that, or at least more that I seem to have more questions than answers the older I get. It's like, well, what does that even mean, Jesus saves? 
Saved from what? As you think about the typical secular person driving down the road, Jesus saves. Well, who's this Jesus guy and what is he saved from, right? I mean, so I think maybe as Christians people, you know, we can have these nice little sayings, but I'm not 100% sure that we can just leave them there. But Jesus saves indeed from what? Verse 18, for the wrath of God. Jesus saves from the wrath of God. Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned. Every single one of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God for the power of the gospel. Paul isn't ashamed of it because this power can save us, sinful man, from the wrath of God. See, every single person's default destination is not heaven. It's hell. Every single person who is born is destined for hell, not heaven. We must understand that. We hear messages that everyone goes to hell or heaven. No, they don't. They don't. Only those who believe. In fact, Paul says, or, or, or David says, I, I credit Paul for everything, but David says in 51.5 where David is his psalm of confession. It's his song of, of confession where he says that after he had a horrible fall from the throne, if you will, he says, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. And in my sin, or in my sin, my mother conceived me. What's David saying? Well, David is saying that right from birth, before birth, he was born a sinner and he was always a sinner. This is the human condition. And this is why nothing else matters this morning but how you answer that question, this question. How can a sinful man or woman stand before a holy and just God? Well, fortunately, the Bible tells us how we can do that in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is the power of the gospel this morning, and it's available to who? To everyone, the next phrase of 16, to everyone who believes. You see that in verse 16. Look in your Bibles. To everyone who believes. What's belief? Belief. Total commitment to the one who is trusted. To believe in the good news of Jesus Christ and to become a follower of Jesus. That's what it means to believe. Romans 10, 13. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You, you see also here in verse 16, I don't want to miss over this last phrase of verse 16. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. I'm not doing a deep dive this morning, but if you would go back, I mean, the Old Testament's the same as the chosen people of God, the, the Jewish people. It's available to them. They rejected it. It's available to the Greeks and many Greeks. It's available to all, every person. This gospel is available. In fact, Romans 10, 13 tells us that whoever believes, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, this word, whoever, it's a, it's a, it's a, um, Kind of a confusing compound word in the original languages. And it simply means whoever. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> couldn't help myself. Whoever. 
It's that clear. It's that simple. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 17, the righteousness of God in the gospel, the righteousness of God. This thought in verse 17, for, the right, for in it, for in the gospel, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. This thought drove Martin Luther, the reformer Martin Luther, literally just about crazy as he went up into the bell tower. He wrestled and he grappled with this idea of a righteous God. He understood a righteous God. He understood what that was and what that meant. And Luther also understood his own sinfulness. He understood the righteousness of God and he understood the sinfulness of himself and he could not reconcile the two. He could not answer the question, how can a sinful Luther stand before a holy and just God? He couldn't answer that question until all of a sudden it dawned on him. He can't, is right. But he can through the very faith that God has given him. And with that, Luther was born again. How can a sinful person stand before a holy and just God? Because on the cross, our Savior took upon our sins upon himself. Our sins were imputed upon him. His righteousness imputed upon him. It's the great exchange. How can a sinful man stand before a holy and just God? The Philippian jailer asked that very question. In Acts, he said, sirs, Paul and Barnabas, as they were in jail, sirs, what must I do to be saved? The answer, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. There's nothing simpler than to get right before a holy and just God. Simply believe by faith. That's it. I know Lent has started and many practice Lent. Lent doesn't save you from anything. It's a good discipline. But doing good works, going through some of these hard things and disciplining yourself will not save you. Nothing else matters than believing on the long, upon the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, he says it was revealed from faith to faith, everything begins with God, and everything ends with God. Starts with faith, ends with faith, and the righteous man shall live by faith. And what God starts, God finishes. The leopard spots do not revert back to spots. What God starts, God finishes. Faith, from faith, to faith. So I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know where you stand this morning. A church such as this, I, I, I would assume many of you have already answered that question correctly and not just answered it correctly, but also live it out. I don't know where you are this morning, and if that's you, and then you can live free. If that is not you, you must answer that question. Indeed, you are answering that question, and it's just very simple to believe by faith. Nothing more, nothing less. For those of you who, who are saved, and for those of you who, like myself, lived with the 
not having lots of sins and worrying about confessing, not confessing one sin and dying and falling asleep and not going to heaven because I didn't confess one sin. No, I want to speak to you. Leopard will not revert back his spots. What God has saved, God will hold fast for all eternity. You didn't. You didn't earn God's love by being sin-free, nor are you going to lose God's love once you have received it by once in a while falling short. We don't hear that often from the pulpit, but I want you to hear that this morning. I want you to hear you can indeed live a victorious life. You can be free, free indeed. Father, I ask your blessing upon the reading of your word. I just ask as, as we ponder some of those thoughts and as we read these two verses for ourselves and allow your spirit to illuminate our hearts and minds in it. Father, pray for every person who's here this morning. Father, we hear the gospel message over and over and over. And it is only once you open that heart that it can be received. And so, Father, if there is a closed heart here this morning, I would ask that you would open that heart. And that person would believe by faith. And for that heart here this morning that is wounded, that is wounded and struggling with a, with a sin they just cannot seem to shake, Father, I pray that you give them the strength and the courage to continue the battle. And I pray, Lord, that you would continue to give the assurance that what you have saved, you will keep fast forever and ever. Amen.
Jesus arose with our 